What are the most amazing running and hiking routes in the world? Who did them and how fast? Welcome to the exciting new world of fastest known time, commonly known as FKTs. This podcast is produced by fastestknowntime.com, a website where you find out what's new and cool, plus track FKT efforts taking place right now. On this podcast, we'll meet the remarkable athletes who have established some of the best FKTs, ask them how they did it, and find out what it means to them. And we won't waste any of your time. The Fastest Known Podcast delivers great info to you in just 30 minutes so you can get back to your run, which of course is more important. Welcome back to the Fastest Known Podcast, where for 30 minutes you hear information you can't get anywhere else, especially so this episode where we're talking with a film director, Sanjay Rawal. Welcome, Sanjay. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Sanjay, you just uh, released this summer and fall uh, a documentary called 3100 Run and Become, which is about the somewhat legendary uh, Sri Trimnoy self-transcendence 3100 mile race. And for the listeners who aren't familiar, that's 3,100 miles. And this takes place uh, over the span of... Uh, I think the cutoff is 52 days, and uh, in your in, in your website, it's described as an intimate portrait of endurance runners who push themselves to the edge of physical and mental collapse as they endeavor endeavor to challenge the boundaries of impossibility. That's an, uh, an ambitious project, Sanjay. Well, you know, the, the, the project was, was, was fascinating for me because I wanted to wrap a film about the spirituality of ultra-distance running around what seems like the most boring race in the world. Uh, the self-transcendence 3,100-mile race, which requires people to do a little less than 59 miles a day for 52 days, but all around a half-mile sidewalk loop in New York City. That's an excellent context. So is there spirituality be, to be found, particularly in the situation of what appears to be extreme boredom? You know, that, that's, it, that's, that, that's, that's the question, right? We, we, we saw a couple of weeks ago, you know, Courtney Dowalter doing, you know, a, an absolutely legendary performance at the Big Backyards Ultra. Um, again, that's a, a, a four-mile loop and change. And there seems to be different set of capabilities that runners can tap into when they don't have to worry about the logistics. If you think about the transcon uh, attempts and, and successes, you can just imagine how difficult it is to get aid when you want it, to get um, you know water when you need it, to go to the restroom when you need it. But in the 3,100 mile race, all of that's taken care of for you every half a mile. So the runners there seem to get into a rhythm that you don't necessarily see in other races. That's extremely good point. So particularly you mentioned the trans cons and of course other FKTs where people are maybe running the John Muir trail and things of that nature that require navigation, that require crew that engage all these other factors. But what you're saying here is particularly at the self transcendence 3,100, all that's gone all you have is the bare bones. That, that, that's correct. And I think what the mentalities between 
the the traditional FKTs, like um the ultra long FKTs, and and this race intersects is that some of the people in the 3100 who set set the fastest times have had a lot of experience doing solo um, journeys on the Pacific Crest Trail or the Appalachian Trail. So that mentality of being able to live out of a backpack certainly, you know, sets somebody up for doing the 3100. Well, in your uh, website, the subtitle is, What If Running Could Lead to Enlightenment? So I, I have to ask you right off the bat, what's your opinion on that? Can it? You know, that's, that, that's, that's exactly why we explored the move, explore, explored, you know, th- this particular topic. And to be frank, we could have used any one of the great or legendary ultras from, you know, UTMB to, you know, anything else down the line. Uh, but in order to really visualize and explore that concept of running leading to enlightenment, we, we managed to get access to three cultures in particular that are incredibly difficult to access. Number one, the, the legendary marathon monks outside of Kyoto, Japan, that take one aspirant every generation to do a thousand days of running, broke up over, broken up over 700, over seven years, um, and requiring a set mileage every day that ranges from 11 to 12 miles the first couple hundred days to 56 miles a day for the last couple hundred miles couple hundred days, um, all in the pursuit of enlightenment, but with one of the most severe penalties one can imagine. If a monk doesn't complete the daily distance, he or she actually has to take his life. Um, we, we also managed to spend three weeks hunting and living with the Bushmen in the Kalahari and filming them going on 48-hour persistence hunts where they literally track animals down by foot. And lastly, you know, we were able to capture a very deep spiritual side of Native American indigenous running on par with the Taramara, but focusing on a, a, a related tribe, the Navajo, um, and really looking at their perspective on running and how running literally is a prayer for them. Boy, those are excellent examples, uh, Sanjay. Indeed, I watched the film, and I hope everyone else watches the film as well, because the visuals are, are stunning. You really worked at it. I've been to Mount Hei myself just a year and a half ago, where the so-called marathon monks live, and that's uh, it's a beautiful place. And as you alluded to, it's uh, let's, let's say it's extreme. <laughs> we have extreme athletics running in many different forms, but like you say, if you don't do this, the penalty is uh, you, you know it's you're supposed to commit harikiri. And I also should add, in, in some variations of this, while they are doing it, they do not eat or drink. So it's a it's a remarkable example. That, that that's correct. You know, the, if for people who want to put their math hat on, they, the the monks have to do a thousand days of running split up in two hundred day cycles, and they 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 have to complete those ten hundred day cycles within seven or eight years. So. Some years that's that's two cycles. Some years that's one. They they never do three because of the extremities in the extreme conditions in the summer in Kyoto and in the winter. At the end of the sixth cycle, whether that's in the third, fourth, or fifth or sixth year, they have to do an eight and a half day fast where they don't take food, water, or sleep for eight and a half straight days. And so that 
coupled with the, the daily rigors, you know, takes them to a place that's much, that, that's beyond the body, as they say. And they learn how to move in a very meditative flow. They don't focus on the miles. They don't focus on the pace. They're focusing on their inner life. And through that kind of inner rhythm, they kind of conquer the daily mileage. It, it's really exceptional, exceptional to witness in person. Well, they focus on the prayer. I mean, like you said, it's not about at all the miles, the distance, the time. For them, it's about saying prayers at the various sites around Mount Hayai. That, that's exactly right. And, and as, as you mentioned, it's not even about the aid. When, when we were there filming, and, and again, they hadn't allowed anyone to actually film someone doing this particular quest since the early 80s. Um, but when we were there filming, the aspirant was on a cycle that required him to do about 55K, so, you know, 30 plus, 30 plus miles, 34 miles or so. Um, and like you said, he would wake up in the morning, you know, around midnight, be out of his house at 1230, having just taken, you know, a big bowl of miso and some tea. And then for the next eight hours or so, so he had about mile 32, no, no water. Uh, no aid, nothing. He's not carrying any gels with him or anything like that. Um, after about 30, 32 miles, he stopped for a tea break and then completed the last three or four miles. And that, that to me is remarkable. It's, it's, it's much more to me than just mind over matter uh, because you're literally going beyond the body's need for food and water. And, you know, one can imagine easily doing that, you know, for one day, but to do that for a hundred days in a row and recover um, and still get joy out of the whole practice to me was remarkable. Well, congratulations on being able to film that. The visuals are terrific. And as you mentioned, you also went down to the Diné, the Navajo Nation, the reservation, and filmed Sean Martin doing his own vision run. That's correct. You know, listeners of your podcast you might actually know Sean. You know, he's won Desert Rats and he's, he's placed in a number of other fifties um, and hundred milers in the Southwest. And he's also the race director of the Canyon de Chez 55 K ultra. Um, as, as, as you know, one of the hardest open races to get into in the sense that when the, the, when ultra sign up goes live, if you don't have super high bandwidth and you know, you, you don't effectively, you can't effectively get an entry into that 150 person strong race. Um, but that's, that said, you know, Sean was raised um, in a very traditional household, and his father is considered to be not only an elder, but, you know, a keeper of, of a lot of the running wisdom. And Sean told me something that absolutely changed the way I run. Um, he said to me, running is a prayer. When you run, whether it's on the concrete or on the trails, your feet are praying to Mother Earth. You're breathing in Father's sky. He said running is a teacher. It not only teaches you to overcome hardship, but it teaches you about yourself. And, and who you really are. And then lastly, running is a celebration of life. I think that's the wonderful thing about the ultra community because you really see that, you know, people aren't so much judging each other by times as they do on a track. Uh, but there's a mutual sense of achievement for, you know, completing, you know, one of the, the longer or harder runs. And I saw that across the Navajo reservation, you know, from the, the 10-year-olds doing 10Ks to the 90-year-olds out there participating that running really was a spiritual life. And like, we don't judge somebody at church by their age or by their look or by their ability to pray. 
people on the Navajo reservation were really accepting of everyone who looked at running as a spiritual practice. What a great example. I think that resonates with some of us, if not many of us, and it's that combination. We have many different reasons to run, many different reasons to run long distances, and that you filmed it is really important because you can read about these things. These are great quotes. Running is a form of prayer. Running is a teacher. Running is a celebration of life. Those are very inspirational, but to see it on film as you recorded it adds a lot of context, particularly since it is filmed on the Navajo Nation. And, you know, I saw that. I saw all of those themes playing out in the 3,100-mile race. Now, as, 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 as you know, it, it started in 1997, and, and the, the first winner was an American named Ed Kelly, you know, a multi-day specialist. Um, and then a, a fellow named Wolfgang Schwark uh, from Germany came in 2002 and, um, you know, bettered the course record that, that Ed had set by some five days or so. He completed it in 42 days and about 13 hours, which, which is the equivalent of 73 or 74 miles per day. And he did even better than that when he came back in 2006. He dropped it to 41 days. Um, but he's, he's known for his, you know, his, his 12 hour and 24 hour time. I believe at least as of like last year, he had the number two um, time all time or number two like mark all time for the 24 hour uh, track run. He ran about 173 miles um, to Yanis Kouros' legend of, of, of 188 miles. Um, but in 2015, our main character from our movie, uh, a slight Finnish paper boy named Ashbrihan Alto, who'd never really done any of the major races, he bettered Mudderprand Wolfgang Schwartz's record by almost a day, averaging about 77 miles a day for 40 days. Um, and Ashbrihan, you know, he gained his strength by doing the Pacific Crest Trail and the, the Appalachian Trail in his 20s. And, you know, that kind of strength definitely carried into the 3100. Well, and of course, the, the title, the name of the race is Self-Transcendence. That's literally the name of the race. And of course, it was founded by Sri Chimnoy, who this is what he wanted to do. The history of the race is quite unambiguous, let's say. Sri Chinmoy believed that physical fitness and athleticism could lead to enlightenment. He was quite upfront about it. That, that's correct. And, you know, I, I, I actually moved to New York City from Northern California, where I grew up. Um, I moved there in 1997 to actually study with Sri Chinmoy. And that was the, the year that the 3,100-mile race started. And, you know, frankly, you know, in the next 10 years that I spent with Sri Chinmoy before he passed, you know, I, I think I just got a little tiny bit of a taste of, of the truth of that. And, you know, it, you know, frankly, and somewhat embarrassingly, having been close to like the fount of that philosophy, so to speak, it took me until making this film that I realized that that philosophy isn't something new. Like self-transcendence, as you mentioned, is the, is the aspect or the act of going beyond your own limitations, going beyond your own performances going beyond your own kind of sense of, of doubt. And when I was on the Hopi reservation on a, on a prayer run with a bunch of Native American kids last March, we were running from Flagstaff to the Bears Ears National Monument um, as, as a way to reconnect Native youth with that sacred land up in Utah. Um, and a Hopi elder, he came out one morning to bless us and said a prayer 
the translation of what she said was find happiness through exertion. I think that's something that a lot of runners would appreciate hearing. Yeah. And, and that to me, that's the formula for self-transcendence. You know, if you find, if you really exert yourself, find happiness through it, you're going to do better. Um, and whether that's the quantifiable in terms of time um, or not, you are going to become a better person through that formula, find happiness through exertion. And I realized like that's such an ancient philosophy for running and, you know, somehow it, it, it's missing in, in, in a lot of modern running culture, but there's hints all around us. That's a, it's terrific, Sanjay, bringing that back to the forefront because again, there's 41 million runners officially in the United States. And I think most of them you know, have some sense of that to varying degrees, don't they? I mean, sometimes you can run to lose weight. Sometimes you can run for a goal, but there's a sense of happiness. There's a sense of becoming a better person. And I think a little bit of self-transcendence is inherent in our sport. And so what you've done, I think, what you're saying is you've brought that back from some of the ancient traditions, from the Kalahari to the a marathon monks, Mathei, to the Dine, and now looking at it through uh, the self-transcendence race in New York City, that this is, you, you put a sharper point on it. You've kind of underlined this theme. You know, the, one of the, the, the things that's just remarkable to me about running, we learned about it in Chris McDougall's Born to Run and in some of the books that that piece was, was based on, that running is one of the few elemental human activities. I mean, you can look at dance, you can look at, obviously, sharing a meal, um, music, where when you do those activities with other people, you're never thinking about anyone's political affiliation or ethnicity, unless, you know, in running, there's a Kenyan ahead of you, that's enough to freak most of us out. Um, but that said, it's like when you run, you know, you, you share an experience that's so common to people across millennia. We all have our feet, we all have our hearts, and we all have our breath. And frankly, no matter how much gear you have, everything really depends on those three things, your heart, your breath, and your feet. Um, it's, it's a wonderful activity that, I, you know, I, I think joins people together in a way that we haven't yet harnessed the power of yet. Well, that's a great outlook. It's a terrific outlook with running being fairly big and divisiveness in the world and in the United States being also big, that you have a unifying principle here that bridges from ancient philosophy, as you've said, up to the present day. Um, and it's, it's always a combination. It's always on a spectrum. Alto's comment near the end, I particularly liked, this is not only a spiritual journey, it's a race. <laughs> exactly. And, 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 and that's the interesting thing because, you know, when, when someone looks at the quote spirituality of something, you know, they don't necessarily think of exertion. But like when, when Siddhartha was becoming the Lord Buddha, you know, he had to exert himself and literally fight the demons inside his mind and slay those demons. Um, when, you know, we, we do something spiritual, it doesn't necessarily have to have the kind of like aura of outer peace and calm like yoga. You know, spirituality means pushing beyond limitation. And so in that sense, the aspect of, of racing, as long as you gain satisfaction from your own achievements and don't take you know, like solace and destroying your competition 
Um, I think that, you know, racing is an incredibly important aspect of a spiritual practice. Indeed. Uh, you just mentioned Buddhism, the Eightfold Path. The sixth elma, limb of the Eightfold Path is effort, pure and simple. And Siddhartha said that without effort, you're not going anywhere. There you go. That's a, that's a r- r- remarkable insight. Um, so like, spirituality is not wishy-washy. When we're racing, we're in such a focused, concentrated moment. And, you know, in those experiences where you're trying to tame your adrenaline, but harness your adrenaline into an exceptional effort, you know, we unlock parts of our being that we don't necessarily, you know, unlock when we're like eating our cereal or like, you know, just like driving in our cars. Mm-hmm. I, I also liked, if I, if I may say so, Sanjay, another one of uh, Alto's quotes, it's not a real race unless you have to get a haircut halfway through. That was a little bit of a joke, but uh, we, we appreciate his light touch. I mean, that, that, that's the interesting thing, right? Like there's a small, small club of, of people who've, been, who've done a race and had to get a haircut. Like, I mean, obviously, like Scott Jurek and, and the others who, who, who you know, really hammered um, the Appalachian Trail or any of the other longer, like, multi-days. You know, like there, there's an aspect to those races that, you know, is, is much different than those of us doing even 48-hour or six-day races. Right. Well, Sanjay, the film has been out a little while. It's, it was introduced into the small core communities. It was in Boulder here a month ago. I think Santa Fe and Los Angeles, a town we've all heard of, on Friday. So how has it been received? What's, what's it looking like from your perspective? You know, we've been thrilled. The film actually comes out on iTunes and Amazon Prime and all the digital platforms December 12th. Ah. But we, start, we started our, our film journey uh, in Santa Fe, um, you know, and we've been doing five to seven shows a day for one, two or three weeks. But starting in Santa Fe was really important to us because of the proximity of Southwestern Indian running culture. And the great Native American champion, Billy Mills, flew in from Sacramento to host our opening night there. Really? Um, well, that's that's credible. Yeah, it, it was such an honor. And, you know, we had a number of Hopi runners. And, you know, it was pointed out to me um, that night that in 1912, there was a Hopi runner named Louis Tuanama. Um, Louis was the, set the, the American record for the 10K in that Stockholm Olympic race and, and received a silver medal. Um, that American record wasn't bettered until Billy Mill's gold medal performance in 1964 at Tokyo. Um, so, you know, one, one could, could, could see that like from 1912 until Billy's record was broken in, in, you know, quite a number of years later, you know, for at least a 50, 55 year period, the fastest 10 K runner in America was native American. So it's been well-received, and you've, you've developed the cred, and on December 12th, it comes out on digital release. We'll, we'll make a note on our website on all these things. So any, anyone who's listening will have on our show notes, when this is, uh, is released, your website has uh, director's notes on it, director's statement, which is very helpful, and the various places where you can get more information. So as we're kind of wrapping up here, I, I certainly watched the film, and a number of my friends had Sanjay, and we all really liked it. So I'm just kind of putting it out there that if you think this is a really boring race, 
I think, uh, you know, multiple laps forever and ever around Queens, New York. That's true. And yet what's within that is what you tried to bring out. And it's worth it. It's worth the watch. I think people, any runner will get a lot out of watching this film. I, I, I really appreciate that. I really appreciate you taking your time and, you know, thankful to, to a lot of the running community that came out, you know, not just in Santa Fe and Albuquerque um, and Flagstaff. We had like most of the Naga League, um, you know, marathoners and 10K runners come out, Boulder, Tim Bradley, I mean, Tim Olson, Kat Bradley, um, Hillary Allen, a bunch, and even, you know, faster guys like Noah Drotty, Will Lear. You know, we, we've had a, a really good turnout from the running community, from track stars to mountain stars. And I think that people of all, you know, shapes, sizes, and distances can get something out of the film. Well, I will leave you with the one question that I start off with, and you can answer this however you wish. And it's the question you asked on your website. What if running could lead to enlightenment? Does it? If I could, if I had an answer to that, you know, I would be the happiest person on earth. You know, I, 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 I think that's going to be borne out by all of our own experiences. I, I've, I've seen with runners that approach the, the, the sport as a way to become a better person that they get so much more out of it than I'd ever seen imaginable. Um, when our, our Danae Navajo character, Sean Martin, goes for his morning run, you know, he's not worried about his, his you know, playlist. He doesn't have his, a DPS watch on. When he leaves his home, he knows that he's going to come back as a better person. And it's that type of attitude that I'm trying to embrace in my own running. Um, and, you know, maybe one of these days, a great runner will achieve enlightenment and will radically transform the entire sport. Well, that's a fantastic answer. It's so fitting. It's, it has wisdom inherent in it, Sanjay, when your response was, uh, that answer is born out of our own experiences. Indeed, there's, <laughs> it's inherent in running, isn't it? There's only one person who's going to do this, and it's up to you, and whatever you put into it is what you get out of it. Exactly. Find happiness through exertion. As I hope you say, I think that's something that I, I, w- I would like to make more of, of a part of my life. Find happiness through exertion. Thank you for spending the time with us, Sanjay, and thank you for making such a excellent film. Thank you so much for taking the time, and I'm, it, I'm absolutely honored to have, have spent you know, this short period of time learning from you. Thank you. I hope you've gotten some good ideas for your next big run. Subscribe to this podcast so you can find out what's cool every week. It will be delivered to you each Friday. And definitely go to fastestknowntime.com to read the notes from this show and ask questions or make comments on what you've heard today. There are FKTs being reported daily that are incredible, but you maybe have never heard of them. So stay up on what is happening on this website and follow us on Twitter, the Gram, and Facebook. Many people have thanked us for this work, and you can too by clicking support this site at the bottom of the webpage. Tune in next Friday. It's going to be fast and good.